Alright. Um, what we're gonna do just as a fail part of our fail safe on garage band, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. is um, we're going to count to three together and then like snap a clap into the microphone. Okay. Just to make sure we're synced up. Yes. Okay. Count with me. One. One. Two. two three. Three. Okay, buddy. This is a faster <laughs> count. Okay. This is one, two, three, snap. Okay. Ready? And one, one two, two, three. Three. Snap. <laughs> okay. Didn't, didn't quite get it. <laughs> the idea was to have like a big line that I can look at for syncing. <laughs> okay, let's get start. Welcome to just a really special and exciting episode of Beyond the Beaded Curtain. This is the episode where I, your host, Randy Chardonnay, finally come clean. Uh, This has not really been a podcast. It's just all just a weird prank to get my friend Reno to watch just a really bad porn movie. Reno, um, thanks for joining me. Uh, how does it feel to be the victim of this really complicated grift? I guess I'm the first victim, so this could act as a cautionary tale. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for, for joining me today. You're welcome. If they've all been this bad, I guess I'm concerned, as your friend, um, that you've watched this many and are continuing to watch them. No, they're not all this bad. Um, we watched a movie. Um, we watched we watched a movie called Bimbo Bowlers from Buffalo, and um, yeah, it's really it's really something. Uh, just before we get into the into the movie, uh, Reno, I have a couple just questions for you. Um, one thing uh, I'd like to know is at what point did you realize you would inevitably get dragged into recording this with me? Well, I was listening to Beyond the Beaded Curtain said podcast and uh, heard the criteria for what you were looking for in a in a friend that could also come on this podcast and realized that I had picked you up from the airport at one point, um, which was directly called upon and then saw this, you know, it was just the next step. It was I had to. Wow. You picked me up at the airport? Yeah. You felt really really bad about it. Wow. I'm going to, well, we'll talk about that off mic because I can't remember (laughs) why that might have been, but that's really nice of you. Did you help me move? (laughs) I've offered to help you move. You've never taken me up on it. And now, and now here you are on my, my porn podcast. So that's, you haven't helped me, um, cover up a crime. Um, that and I'm not just saying that just for legal reasons. It's actually <laughs> true. Um, wow, that's I just I I knew 
we were great friends, but I somehow forgot that we were airport level friends and I, I feel really embarrassed about that. Oh, this is worse. This <laughs> is <It's> just definitely <laughs> worse than all of those other things combined. Yeah, I know. Reno, I know. You don't gotta tell me. <laughs> I know. Okay, so um here's here's the thing I'm I'm wondering and uh so we're we're roughly the same age. I'm wondering, um, I kind of distinctly remember when I was a kid, the video store landscape changing from the kind of weird uh, indie video rental store that probably did have a porno section in the back over to the like blockbuster only video rental world. Or do you remember going into like indie video stores like pre-blockbuster or is that sort of kind of a, uh, erased from your early memories. Oh, totally. Well, the there still are indie video stores where I grew up. So like there was just oh, kind cool. of like the cool college contingent that those still existed when I, you know, after Blockbuster had already come onto the scene. Wow. Awesome. And did they have like a weird adult section? Oh, they, they really did. They actually had the beaded curtain and everything. Nice. I, I think that by the time I was aware of the significance of the beaded curtain, all the beaded curtain places were totally gone from anywhere I went. And it was just, just blockbuster, just blockbuster after blockbuster. I did go to some adult bakeries as a kid, well, as uh, a, a teenager. I'm going to need to hear a lot more about that. Thank you. Um, First of all, let's, you, you did say some adult bakeries, I believe. Well, there was one in Token Creek, Wisconsin. Uh, okay. that I went to in my youth. Mm-hmm. hope that's not saying too much. Um, it's <laughs> for when I run for office someday. Um, and I can't remember what it was called now, though. Mm. We'll but, you know, up. they just did the regular stuff, like the penis yeah. cakes and then, you right. know, but it was also Wisconsin. So there's a lot of, like, good fatty baked goods, too. Oh. Just, like, uh, cream puffs. Sure. But of course, um, you don't live um, in Wisconsin anymore, um, and I'm not going to say where you do live. But I am going to say that you're the you're one of only a handful of people I know who has actually been to Buffalo, New York. And so I thought you would be a good person to have to discuss this film, Bimbo Bowlers from Buffalo. But then, lo and behold, the movie starts with a just healthy dash of uh, Buffalo content. And then the bowlers leave Buffalo. Were you as disappointed as I was? Yeah, obviously. And then I also didn't realize how much I would come to miss the establishing shots of the city of Buffalo in the late 80s. Yeah, that was really nice. (laughs) It was really the peak of the film for me. It's really odd that they they would give it this name, right? I guess just for the sake of alliteration. And then actually, like, buy some um, Buffalo stock footage or whatever, and then immediately say, like, no, it's not in Buffalo. Like, what was, I I guess the only reason is this was sort of like trying to cash in on that, um, that Debbie Does Dallas heat. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, Debbie Does Dallas, famous for being one of, like, three porno movies that your typical person uh, knows the name of. I didn't know it was even a porno, actually. I just knew it was oh. a movie. Come on, Reno. It's, I just, it's what did you what did you think it was about? <laughs> I think 
probably the least informed person you could have got. <laughs> nice. You know, those classic movies like Debbie Does Dallas, Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> exactly. This is this is probably the only like vintage pornography you've ever watched, right? Uh yeah. Might wow. be the last. <laughs> <laughs> um before we we get more into into your reactions, um I was hoping if it's if it's not if it's okay with you, I would like to read just a short cutting um from my forthcoming book, Like Fine Wine. The Chardonnay, the Chardonnay Guide to Adult Cinema. I'm going to take that again. Like Fine Wine, The Chardonnay Guide to Adult Cinema by Randy Chardonnay. These three bimbo bowlers are the East Coast's reigning gutter queens, but now they're headed to bowl you over as they take on San Francisco's champion pin knockers, the Muffs. Victoria Paris, Fifi Bardot, and Keisha are resplendent, resplendent, I'm going to take that again. <laughs> Victoria Paris, Fifi Bardot, and Keisha are resplendent as the titular bimbos, and they're joined by adult legends like Mike Horner, Randy West, and Tom Byron, so it sure looks like we're headed for a perfect strike. Sadly, the bimbos' championship match against their rivals, the San Francisco Muffs, happens off-screen. On-screen, we do get plenty of bowling alley shenanigans, but instead of a strike, this movie struggles to pick up an easy spare. Randy West's jokes are, are all gutter balls, and the videography is creaky and dated. The bowlers don't appear in enough of the action, although newcomer Charlie, billed here as Chantel, does perform admirably. This flick earned a sequel, Bimbo Bowlers from Boston, but only the male talent made it to the follow-up. Only recommended for the completest, or the hardcore bowling fetishist. Keywords, mullet, voyeurism. Did that sort of, does that sort of more or less fit with your experience of this film? Uh, my little review there, or? I think that was more generous than oh, I would really? have given it. Too generous? Um, okay. I did not like this movie. You no. did not like But I don't movie, have no. a lot to compare it to, you know, as I Fair. haven't even seen Debbie Does Denver. We... I think that Debbie ended up doing a lot of places, but Dallas is the most important place that she did. A question for you, Rita. How, how, to what, to what extent did watching this movie sort of match your expectations uh, or how much of it was just sort of a surprise? It was just really long. Okay. Like from the very beginning, I didn't, you know, an hour and a half is a significant movie length. And then it felt really long. I think the first scene was 35 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I don't know, I guess based on being a regular listener to this podcast, mm-hmm. this either shows how remarkably thin this movie was or how masterful you are at <laughs> I'm really stretching things out, but there was, you know, no plot to speak of. There wasn't a lot of plot. Uh, and I, I was sort of struck by mm-hmm. the fact that in some, some of the scenes weren't introduced at all, 
but we were just sort of like joined like a third of the way into the act where, yeah. where, where like it, like typically the, the, the setup in a given, a given sequence in a, in a porn movie. Um, and that's, we're talking classics, contemporaries, every era. Uh, they don't spend a lot of time. Um, but in this movie, there are even a couple sequences where it would just cut to some people having sex already. And you'd say, Oh, I guess, I guess that's happening. Okay. Yeah, and you hadn't even really been introduced to those characters. Like you'd maybe seen them once, yeah. and then there they are. And there, then there they are. And I was a, I was a little annoyed, to be honest, about how we kind of first of all we get the bowlers out of Buffalo, bring them to San Francisco, introduce the idea that they are going to compete for a championship against the Muffs. And then the last scene is just uh, the sports guy being like, well, it happened. They won. They're better bowlers than the Muffs. Okay, movie's over. I'm like, as a bowling fan, I'm like, that's the thing I wanted, right? That bowling content. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we never see the Muffs, right? We never see the Muffs. Really disappointing. But you really, do have... Mm. Who was that other lady? She wasn't a bowler. Was she an employee of the bowling alley? Um, I believe she worked at the bowling alley, uh, yes, um, because she was in that stock room um, with, the, uh, with, the, uh, with the hole in the wall so as to uh, spy on the locker room. It's the voyeurism we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I think you should give people an overview of the very thin plot. So from the landing in San Francisco forward. Oh, there's no plot. They just they just land in San Francisco. They go to the bowling alley. Uh, they have sex with a bunch of people and with each other. And then we cut to the end, and they won. And that's the end of the movie. They get uh, a giant check. They get a giant check. They have great mullets. That's the end. Yeah, I had even I had even a kind of a hard time following the characters from from scene from scene to scene. So at the beginning, um, the 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 three uh, bimbos, and that's you know I'm, I just want to be clear, right? This is the name of their bowling team. This is not this is not a word that I Randy Chardonnay am choosing. I'm only using it to distinguish the bimbos um, from any other rival bowling teams. I hope that's clear. Do you do you think I made that clear? Yeah, definitely. That was one of the weirdest things about the movie to me was like mm. this like inability to stop trying to make it funny, but they oh, never yeah. really did a good job with it. No, they did a very bad job trying to trying to make it funny. Just the same sort of like all the dumb jokes that I uh, that I made in my pretend book, those are basically the books, the jokes that they made in in the movie. Um but do you do you want to talk about the worst? Oh, let's put it this way. I have a strong opinion about the worst and dumbest joke in in the movie, and it's a repeated joke. Um, can you guess what I think the worst joke is? Maybe the degree in bowling psychology. No, that's very that's very good. The Lois Lane joke, which is the yes. worst one, I would say. That's the worst one. I'm right there with you. There is a um, Randy West plays a sort of regional bowling journalist, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely what he is. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
and he his character's name is Lewis Lane, but everyone keeps calling him Lois. And see, I don't know if um, I. I do have a degree in bowling psychology, so maybe this this joke might have been lost on you, Reno, since you don't. Um, but the joke is that, see, um, whereas Lewis, that's a boy's name, Lois is more of a girl's name, and so by calling him that, it's sort of a joke. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing. Yeah, that's And then the they whole just joke, say yeah. it. He even calls himself Lois Lane at one point. Well, we, who, who amongst us hasn't <laughs> forgotten his own name at one point or another? Uh, yeah, so he's, he's there as a journalist. There are a couple of guys working at the bowling alley. Um, Mike Horner um, is uh, spying on the locker room. Um, the, the, one thing, okay, the one thing that did kind of amuse me was uh, the way that... So, so Mike Horner is in the locker room um, having sex with Chantel or Ch- Charlie. As, uh, I think you need later. more of a Mike Horner intro here. So Mike Horner plays Fred, mm-hmm. who from the very like opening, they try to set him up as just like this total fucking dumbass. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. It's maybe this is, I shouldn't be swearing on the podcast. Um, this is, yeah. You know, <laughs> trying I try to, to keep make it this, PG. Yeah, I try to make this a really, really, really a family show without too many, too many swears, but go on. Okay. So my corner. Yes. It, have you seen him in other stuff? Is that why you're referring to him by his real name? Um, I've, he's in all the movies. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. This guy in, <laughs> in the like late eighties or so, um, the poor world just could not get enough of this guy. <laughs> Okay, so as a newcomer to my yeah. corner, I had no idea. So they set him up as just this schmuck. Mm-hmm. He, they show him um, in a jumpsuit, sort <laughs> of like a custodian would wear, and a stupid hat, and yes. he has a bad mustache. Yes. And he's obviously, if you, like the bowling alley has a clear hierarchy, <laughs> and yes. he is the lowest on the totem pole. And yes. you know that from the very beginning, like mm-hmm. they have him in the opening credits with, they say like my corner, you know, as Fred and they show him just like kind of like sliding down the middle of the lane, like an <laughs> idiot, like someone ice skating poorly. Yes. And then what was surprising though, to me is that he by far gets the most action. Yes. Here's the thing that, um, that fans of adult cinema will, will be familiar with that are wiser listeners who have not watched any of these films might not know, which is that in all these classic movies, uh, because they're, you know, because they're these eighties movies are all for pretty much like, um, an exclusively male audience, uh, they're, they go to great lengths to kind of show the, the, the men in the movies as being just real jackasses. Like, I guess the idea is that like, we're not, we're supposed to be like respect the bigness of their dicks, but not like, not be intimidated by them, not think of them as like cool or like, you know, rivals or something because they're just consistently portrayed as such fucking losers (laughs) and doofuses every time. Well, my take on that was like, oh, you're a doofus. So if this doofus can get action, so can you. Which is why the sexiest person, which I would say would be the character Stan, who I expected to be getting the bulk of the action, 
doesn't get anything till the very end. So you see like every gross person gets so much action. Mm. So I saw it as yeah, being inspiring, not so much as non-threatening. That's really nice. I think that's a better way of looking at it. I like that. I want to take inspiration from this film. Um, you have that bowling psychology degree, you know. That's true. In bowling psychology, you're always trying to sort of put down your competitors. Um, but you're seeing this as a possibility for sort of lifting up the viewer and mm-hmm. saying, you can do it too, guy watching this porn at home. That's nice. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Stan, uh, played by Tom Byron, one of the classic mullets of adult cinema. So you, you regarded him as sort of the, 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 the sexiest of the available men in this film. The least repulsive. No, no shade, no, no judgment. Yeah, the least repulsive by far. The, the like least you said, there's, repulsive by far. There's a lot of mullets to mm-hmm. choose from. Um, he was kind of in the bowling hierarchy in the middle, right? So if you go from lowest to top, you've got like Fred down there at the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. having sex just all over the bowling alley with everyone yes. and himself. Yes. Um, <laughs> then you have next up, I guess, is Stan, who's Tom Byron, is that you said? Uh, yes. Who I think is pretty famous because I looked him up. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then the one after that would be like the bowling alley manager. And then you have like Lois Lane as this outsider bowling journalist. Oh, that's funny you said that because his name is Lewis Lane. <laughs> this is that's such a funny. good joke, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, so huh. so you see, you see. Well, I guess I can see uh, Randy West as sort of the top dog because he he gets to like take one of the ladies home and have sex with her there. Doesn't have to do all his sex at the bowling alley. So that, <laughs> that that's like a sign of a real like alpha dog, huh? Well, definitely. And I wish that we had spent more time out of the bowling alley, considering how much time you spent in the bowling alley back room, in the part where the balls go, like where they reset the pins, an area of the bowling alley that I've never seen as a lifetime bowler. (laughs) I I really wanted to make a good joke when you said the part where the balls go. (laughs) It'd just be like Reno. I don't know what kind of advanced moves you're talking about, but <laughs> yeah, uh, could have yeah they could have used the lanes. They could have done a lot more with the the bowling theme um, in in this in this film. And there's there's really only a few seconds of a performer pleasuring herself with a bowling uh, pin, and she quickly gets bored of it. Yeah, I did note that. Um, what do I have here in my notes? Oh, yeah, bowling pin between thighs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I also down below have bowling bag dropped on someone's foot. Rito, thank you. That is the kind of insight that I was hoping that a lifetime bowler like you would, would bring, bring into this, and I do appreciate it. Just, I'm an athlete, you know? Yeah, you're an athlete. So you're going with um, Mike Horner as uh, Fred. You're going with him as the the worst. Is that is that is that where we're going? Well, a lot of competition for worst in this. You know, he was in the opening scene, which really established my hate of the film, <laughs> and it right. went on forever. 
Yeah. And he's like such a skeeve. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he's he's got that backwards hat on and there's something about like a a a, a dude in just a backwards hat with a mustache. And I would oh. say that that Mike also has an unfortunate trait where like the f- his the face he makes um while uh, performing the act of love <laughs> is really unfortunate, right? It's sort of like a like bared teeth sort of like oh, yeah. sort of sort of it's a bit rat like. Yeah, it's the it's very buck toothed, I think mm-hmm. you could say. Mm-hmm. Um it's not that he's a buck toothed man, it's that that's sort of the face he adopts <laughs> in moments true. of pleasure. And, and that's you would say consistent rough. throughout his performances, not just the bowling film. I would I would say that I really only noticed it in this movie. Um, he's been in a lot of our previous episodes. Dude worked hard. Man, that's a good porn joke. Um, but he you know he 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 appears in a lot of movies. When you see my corner, mm-hmm. and you're like you see his name on the credits, you're like, all right, this is a my corner flick. You see his face, and like there he is. Do you feel mm-hmm. that same recognition when you see his genitals? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I personally was horrified when I saw his genitals. And it would be interesting to me to be like, oh, yeah, there they are. Because I was like, I said to the person I was watching it with, um, do you think it's like, how big is that, you know, in, in porn world? And he said... Looks like pretty average. And then as it went on, I was like, oh my God, that's a monster. And I just, I guess it would be interesting if I'd watched this enough to just be like, oh, (laughs) there's Mike and there's his not at all weapon-like penis. (laughs) So when you started this really fascinating question, (laughs) I thought you were suggesting that maybe I was such an, an expert that I could just like see his dick and be like, oh, oh that's my corner. <laughs> Disembodied, yeah. Yeah, just like a shot like from the waist down and be like, oh, yeah, hey, oh, hey, Mike. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I think you probably could. You're just not challenging yourself. So just in case people, it's not clear how creepy mm-hmm. the scene was. You have Fred in his jumpsuit who they have just added on every prop that could make him look as absolutely as sketchy as possible. So you've got the right. backward hat. You've got the mustache, which I think was real. Would you say? Oh, it's real. And okay. Fabulous. So you, and then you've got a cigar, <laughs> too. <Right>. And <laughs> as if you don't have enough like, phallic symbolism going on, you also have this cigar in his mouth. And then he, he gets to a peephole. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not talking like a a pupil you might have in your door, the size of an eye. We're talking no. <laughs> this like the size of a fist about or a baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just turns out that this back storage room, which you spend a lot of time in, just this dark back room, uh that he he just like looks through this large hole in the wall. And looks at two people, which I think were the bowlers, correct? One bowler, one staff member. I was confused by that, too. One bowler, one staff member who are pleasuring each other. And all I could think about during the scene was the fact that uh, 
these scenes absolutely weren't being filmed simultaneously. And so in real life, um, these, uh, these folks who are like getting really excited looking through this hole in a wall are not seeing anything, um, just a camera on the other side so that they can kind of film back and, and see their eye up at the, up at the hole. And so just like doing a whole scene, pretending you're watching something really excited, watching something really exciting when really you're just seeing nothing. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Um, There's actually some of the better acting, I would say, would be that eye in the people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And sometimes the mouth in the peephole. That was disturbing, though. It's really expressive compared to <laughs> yeah, that's true. the rest of the acting. That's, that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll make some gifs of that to, to share because it's very, very weird. Put that up at um, um, Reddit r slash dirty VHS. I expected um, a dick to go through that hole. And I was surprised when one never did. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It was big enough. Even mm, for, definitely. Even, even for Mike Horner there. Um, there. There's a sequence where there's a couple going at it on top of a, a billiards table. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's the end of that to me is um, is pretty rough um the the fellow uh as played by um he's like the owner of the bowling alley or whatever the yeah he introduced himself as the manager at one point uh yes the the manager uh buck adams he has to sort of like aim down his dick in this really awkward way and i just hate it and then what did he come on to oh um one of the bimbo bowlers victoria paris what part of her body are we talking? I don't recall. Reno, I don't remember. Well, because I thought there would be more. I had been just told there'd be more on the face. Oh, and I don't, there was a lot of between the breasts I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, some on the chest in general. I don't know. I yeah. guess it would also be pretty gross if he came onto the billiards table because it's carpet, yeah. you know? Yeah, people got <laughs> to just... play pool there, you know? <laughs> Which no also, Rito, just... it's it's the worst thing when like you go to you go to like a nice bowling alley, you decide, hey, the frames are all taken. I know what we can do. Let's play a little pool over in the arcade, and then you get to the pool table. There's only one pool table, and you're about and you're gathering all the balls to play pool, and what do you know? The pool table is covered in jizz. I think that's a good metaphor for this the whole thing, really. Because I think, it, why do they even have to introduce a second mediocre sport? Mm. Right, we've, we've already thinly committed to bowling, not even in Buffalo. <laughs> and yeah. then we, we also have to add in a pool table. <laughs> yeah, bimbo bowling and billiards from Buffalo. <laughs> that's a good point, yeah. It's like, what, I don't know what else we could do with, with bowling. I guess we've got to move over to pool. It's the only option. Uh, this does make me very nervous about just any pool table I've ever been near with any kind of like crust on it. <laughs> I just assumed, you know, like yeah. someone spilled milk at some yeah. point or like was or like eating an ice cream cone nearby. Exactly. But I now realize how foolish I've been. Yeah, you're never going to look at a, at a pool table the same way again. I... 
as a result of this movie, I've decided I'm never going to climb onto another pool table. I'm just staying off. Even if someone tries to entice you up there. Even if a bimbo bowler <laughs> encourages me to get onto the pool table with her, I'm going to say, what? Say, you know what? No. No, thank you. I also had another thing, which is, as you probably noticed, just as a musician and music enthusiast. Oh, thank you. Some interesting music choices. We had some bad jazz at a few points. Mm-hmm. And then someone penned an original song yes. called Bimbo Bowlers from Buffalo, which really is what we should have spent this entire thing talking about. Well, by now, I'm going to be looping that in the background. So by now, everyone listening to this will have heard that song too. Oh, they'll times. know. Yeah, okay. it's, it's pretty great. It's really catchy. I, yeah, it's great. That's that's the thing that um, is is fairly common in, in, in this era is like paying for one original song as the theme song. And I love it. I wish that they all did that. It's always great. Yeah. Uh, what other audio- thoughts do you have? Oh, I wanted you remind me of one audio note, which is just that most of this movie has sort of a loop of like bowling alley sound effects going, mm-hmm. and like it just it just suggests that, for instance, in a scene like the um, the couple on the billiards table, that they're just people just off camera, like bowling and eating nachos and drinking beer, just somehow just. Uh, just you know a few steps away who are somehow not reacting <laughs> to the fact that this couple are fucking on the pool table yet yeah, the, f- the film captures none of the joy <laughs> or ebullience of, you know just none of the levity associated with the bowling alley at any yeah. point yeah sad state of affairs um so um are you are you familiar with our sort of standard rating system yeah and Considering how poor of movie this was, it makes me really wonder um, how skewed things are for you if you've been giving anything for Ferns. Oh, yeah. Well, one one thing I wanted to to mention, um, there were no, absolutely no Ferns appeared in this film, which is just, uh, it's part of the the reason we have that silly rating system is that a lot of these 80s movies just have randomly like a lot of plants just in like just just like they they blew all their budget on just like greenery for some reason. Um, this has none, but since it is a sports movie, uh, I was thinking we maybe also could rate in terms of um, bowling score. So if we're saying a perfect game is three hundred, is that where we're mm-hmm. going? Yeah. Where does this fall? Sure. Or that's, I think that's better than considering it as a single frame because mm-hmm. we couldn't really rate it anything other than like two gutter balls, you know? Like Yeah. But the whole, yeah, you're not going to get a gutter balls for the whole game. You're going to no, snag a pin here and there. Even this movie snags a pin here and there. Um, yeah, I'm going to say like 57. You know, above your out like elementary school or bowling, mm-hmm. but like still embarrassingly low for an adult male or female. <laughs> That's that sentence took a weird weird twist. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. It's funny you said fifty seven. Sixty was the number that I had in my mind as you were as you were as you were uh-huh. uh, as you were going through the process. I would say in, in, in my standard system, I probably would give this still a three. 
Um, and the only reason for that <laughs> being like, um, uh, <laughs> literally just like, there's nothing racist. Um, <laughs> you know, it passes that bar like, um, and, and like, there's not like a horrific sex crime that happens. I guess on that, then three seems pretty fair. Thank you so much for joining me this week, Reno. I really appreciate it. Now that we've rated the movie, uh, any any advice advice to me in this uh, in this show? You know, now that you've been on both sides of the uh, of the headphones. Um, maybe just stop doing it. I think is it. Just That's, stop yeah. watching these films. Maybe mm-hmm. just as your friend. You know, I I see how, you know, you got to have an art, but an hour and a half was a long time for one. That's true. You know? So that's that's probably the best advice I could hope for. It's not the advice I wanted, um, but it's the most honest advice, and only your real friends will, will, will be so brutally honest with you. Um, so, yeah, this might be our last episode. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of it, Reno. You're welcome. My pleasure. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Beyond the Beaded Curtain. I've been your regular host, Randy Chardonnay, here with my good friend, Reno Dakota, signing off. Thanks, folks. How did this, this go how you hoped? We can do a redo if you want. <laughs> no, we couldn't possibly do a redo. We, 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 this is lightning in a bottle, buddy. You know, you can't uh, can't have a do-over. No, it'll be great. I'm gonna um, I'm I'm gonna edit it down probably to like at the moment it's like a like oh, hundred yeah. minute recording, but it's I'm gonna try to keep it to like under an hour. I feel like you're lucky if there's thirty five minutes of good content. <laughs> No, there's way more than that. It's fantastic. Um, it's be awesome. Did this go roughly how you hoped? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, great. And this was hardcore porn, right? Or was this softcore?